0: Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia for Sunday worship. It is a joy and a privilege to be the pastor here at this church and to gather with all of you in these strange times and in these strange ways through Facebook and YouTube and all sorts of different manners of worshiping together to hear what God has to say to us today about who we are and whose we are. Uh, Today we are wrapping up our sermon series on the book, uh, the letter of Philippians, that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Uh, I'm grateful that we've been able to go through this letter in one sort of fell swoop together, and here we've come to the conclusion. Uh, We're going to be starting a a new series starting next week called The Teacher, some of Jesus' most important teachings as we uh, come to the end or get closer to the end of our liturgical year before we get to Advent. I can't believe Advent is almost here. We're going to blink, and it will be here. Uh, So thank you for joining us today, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. I want to make mention that there is an online bulletin that you can access through a link in the video description. That bulletin contains our scripture passage, hymn, uh, sermon title, prayers, all those sorts of things. So if that's helpful for you, you can pull that up and have that as a reference point during our worship service. I want to share also that we're going to be having another drive-in service of Word and Sacrament on November the 1st. It's the first Sunday of November, November the 1st, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in our parking lot. We'll be gathering in our cars. There'll be about a 20 to 30 minute service, uh, prayers, hymn, scripture, brief homily, and then we'll be sharing communion with each other. This will be the third time that we've done it, so please plan to join us on Sunday, November the 1st, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in our parking lot. Also, we're in the midst of planning a new Bible study, one that's uh, different than anything we've really ever done before on the book of Romans, the uh, letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Uh, We're thinking about how to do this in a way that is uh, equitable for all people to be able to participate. And so if that's something you'd like to hear about, learn about more, it will probably be a video series that will be released so that at your own leisure. You can participate in it by listening. Uh, if that's something you're interested in, uh, please leave a comment in the, in, in the video, or you can send an email to the church, cokesburyumc at gmail.com, so that we can get you on the list for our Bible study that's going to be coming up on Paul's letter to the church in Rome. So with that, uh, again, grateful that you are here with me for worship today. Let's just bow our heads for, the mo- for a moment of silent prayer. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, you find us gathered at this time in this way to speak and to hear your word. But how should this happen? You know just what sort of people we are, and we know it too. Before you, we cannot deny it anyway, our hard hearts, our impure thoughts, our disordered desires, and everything that has come of this and still comes of it, our errors, transgressions, and so many words and deeds that do not please you, and by which we can only disturb and destroy peace on your earth. Lord, we know that nothing works without your speaking and working among us. We hold solely to the promise of your grace and your mercy that your Son has come to bring good news to us, the poor, to proclaim release to us, the prisoners, to rescue us, the sinners. We hold to this promise even right now, for you do what we cannot. You will that it be done. We believe and trust that you will do it, not because we are good and strong, but because you are. Now, Lord, each of us will lift up to you our own joys and concerns, either silently or aloud this day. As I noted earlier, our scripture lesson today comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. This is Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Now hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Eudea and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, For they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today comes from the smaller of the hymnals in the United Methodist Church. This hymnal is called The Faith We Sing. It's number 2223. They'll know we are Christians by our love. So please join me over by the drums where I'll be playing and singing. Uh, The words for the hymn can be found in the online bulletin. This is They'll Know We Are Christians By Our Love.
1: Christians by our love, by our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love.
0: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Stand firm. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi, don't give in to the pressures that surround you. Don't be like other people with their judgments and their hostilities. Remember, you're Christians. So act like it. Try being gentle for once. Don't sweat the small stuff. God is near God listens to your prayers, and in the end, if you find anything true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, excellent, think about those things. Do what you learned and received and heard from me, and the God of peace will be with you. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Don't worry about anything. Thanks for the advice, Paul, except, buddy, have you taken a look at the world recently? It feels like the ground is crumbling under our feet from police brutality to a never-ending presidential election season to the fact that the coronavirus is continuing to spread even to people who are working in the White House. So Paul, you know, we appreciate your not-so-subtle nudges here at the end of your letter, but gentleness, a spirit of non-anxiety, you know, that's just not really going to work for us right now. And yet we can't really help ourselves from loving these suggestive lines from the apostle. You know, Perhaps some of us even have them on perfectly crafted Etsy prints hanging in our living rooms right now. They all sound like pretty good ideas. After all, wouldn't, who wouldn't want Christians to be more gentle and less anxious, particularly in the moment that we find ourselves in? Just take a gander at the evening news sometime and note how all of those who call themselves Christians often comport themselves. Generally speaking, they're either the ones pointing out the signs of the times as God's wrathful judgment falling down upon all of us, or they're spending their time calling into question the behavior, the words, and the actions of other Christians for not being faithful to God enough. So if you're like me, which is to say living in moderate comfort, usually surrounded by like-minded people, gentleness, it sounds not only like a good idea, but a needed one. So maybe... Maybe Paul was onto something that, considering the condition of our current condition, the best thing Christians can and should do is be gentle. So, Paul, thanks. We'll get work on it right away. Furthermore, we hear Paul's recommendations for gentleness as a confirmation for us that whatever it means to be Christian is pretty much the same thing as being a good person. I mean, wouldn't the world be a better place if all of us were more gentle, regardless of whether or not we confess Jesus as Lord? And this line of thought makes sense, considering that among the many Christianities that exist, the majority of them don't really like to highlight any differences between those who are and those who are not Christian. It's why, on more occasions than I can count when I've asked parents about why they're choosing to have their respective children baptized, they almost always respond with, We want to raise them in the church so they know what it means to be a good person, which is fine, really, except there's one teeny-weeny little problem with that, with assuming that in the end Christianity is all just about being nice, and the problem is this, Paul wrote this letter from jail. If we want to assume that what Paul writes about this idea of gentleness as being a good thing— something that would make us and the world a better place, then how the hell did he get himself arrested? And the same thing can be asked of Martin Luther King Jr. For if what Dr. King really wanted was a world where we all just got along or we shared a little more love and cared more about the content of character than the color of skin, then, then why did somebody murder him? And the same thing can also be asked of Jesus. For if Jesus just wanted us to merely love our neighbors as ourselves, spread a little more kindness in the world, then why, oh, why? Did we nail him to a cross? That Paul writes these words, these admonitions about gentleness from jail. It challenges our manifold presumptions about gentleness being as innocent as we might assume that it is. Many years ago in a small southern town, a meeting was held among all of the white folk in the community about their own fears of integration. Brown versus Board of Education had just passed, and they were worried about what was going to happen. So they had this meeting in a small auditorium, and it was packed to the brim with all of the well-regarded types, the business owners, the country club members, and they focused their entire conversation on how to save our schools. How do we keep them out of our schools? One by one, angry speakers rose to call for boycotts or resistance or even a show of force against the changing times in order to protect ours. From theirs. Now, in the back of the auditorium stood an old, half broken down Baptist preacher who had baptized, married, and buried just about everyone in the town at one time or another. He came late to the meeting that night and listened intently to the unrest among the present community. After an hour or so of the crowd's racist tirades, he raised his hand and he asked if he could speak into the microphone. The crowd made their way for their beloved pastor as he, with dignity, made his way to the podium. He stood before the microphone and he let his eyes slowly go over everyone in the room before saying, rather boldly, you all ought to be ashamed of yourselves. The crowd sat in nervous silence until a man in the first row shouted, well, that's not very Christian of you, preacher. To which he lowered his head and said, There is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, white or black, rich or poor, educated or uneducated, for there is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism. Go home and read your damn Bibles. Again, there was silence. So he continued, looking out over this assembly this evening, looking at all of your faces, I this night have realized that I am the worst preacher in the world. There was an audible gasp from the gathering. He said, if you think that anything in our faith justifies your presence here tonight, that the sentiments expressed are in any way exemplary of the way of Jesus, then I have failed miserably in my work as a preacher and I have poured out my life for absolutely nothing. And then, with the auditorium reduced to stunned and uncomfortable silence, the preacher walked to the back of the room and he slammed the door as he left. The presider over the meeting made a rather awkward attempt to resume the conversation, but for all intents and purposes, the evening was over and slowly people drifted out and went home. A few months later, the schools integrated without a single incident. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Paul, writing across the centuries to us today, continues on after this apparent call to kindness with, keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And to be honest, gentleness is not the first characteristic that really comes to mind when thinking about Paul. Paul was this frenetic ball of spirit-filled energy who never backed away from a theological fight that he thought needed to be fought. And neither is gentleness the first thing that comes to mind when thinking about Jesus. Of course, we we have these gentle images of Jesus in our mind, you know, going out after the one lost sheep, gathering with the children close to tell them a story, sharing one last meal with his friends. But in order to save that one lost sheep, he had to leave the 99 behind defending for themselves. Before he gathered with those children, he had overturned all of the tables of the moneylenders in the temple. After eating bread and drinking wine with his friends, he was betrayed, abandoned, beaten, and left to die. Christians are absolutely called to gentleness. But our gentleness must be true, and truth often requires conflict and confrontation. Notice here, Paul doesn't recommend that the Philippians should try to be gentle. Rather, he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Those who follow the Lord do not become gentle, but rather they are formed into gentleness by being made citizens of heaven, baptized into the death and to the resurrection of Jesus. And it's that citizenship The citizenship in heaven, the truest citizenship that any of us will ever have, means that Christians are a people bound and constituted by the Lord and not by the powers and the principalities of this life. Christian gentleness is not letting your crazy uncle get away with all of his racist ramblings without calling into question his behavior and his words and the institutions that formed him in that way. Christian gentleness is taking the time and making the effort to make sure that all voices are being lifted up rather than just those who already hold the power, even if it means calling into question those who hold power, how they got it, and why they're so unwilling to let it go. Christian gentleness is showing up for the first and the last, the poor and the rich, the weak and the strong, that all might come to know there is a better way not in us, but in the Lord. Paul calls the readers of his letter to imitate him. And the Paul we are called to imitate was baptized by the fire of the Holy Spirit. That baptism means that death and the fear of it no longer ruled Paul's life. What mattered to Paul more than anything else was knowing Jesus. And knowing Jesus makes all the difference. Knowing Jesus is knowing a willingness to be combative about the things that really matter. Knowing Jesus is knowing that all the stuff of this world, it crumbles away when compared with the glory of God. Knowing Jesus is knowing a truth about ourselves and the world that others would rather ignore. That in the end, there's no good in us In spite of our attempts to be gentle, we mostly rest contented to do nothing, or we take it too far and we use our faith as a bludgeon against others. But the gentleness Paul writes of, it does not begin with us or come from us. It's from Jesus. At the beginning of the letter, he includes the Christ hymn: God emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is is exactly the kind of gentleness Paul believes has reformed the world, reformed the Christian community in Philippi, and even us today. Gentleness comes not from us, but from the Lord. I mean, consider this. Paul ends his section here with another laundry list, not of things to do, but of things to consider for it is Jesus who determines our understandings of truth and of honor and of justice and of purity. Jesus' truth is known in the silence that refuses to accept the empire's power in the person of Pontius Pilate. Jesus' honor is known in the humiliation of his cross. Jesus' justice is found in the refusal to abandon the least of these to their own devices. Jesus' purity it's discovered in the joy of his resurrection from the dead. Paul commends these things to the Philippians, so that they and we today might live in peace, rejoicing always and resting in the good news, even in a world that knows no peace or joy or rest. Because we are formed not by being or trying to be better people. We are formed instead by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We might like to think, that Jesus was as gentle as a lamb, but he was also the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And what could possibly be gentle about that? So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, direct our attention to Jesus so that we might see what you would have us be. Make us, like him, teachers of your good word. Make us, like him, proclaimers of your kingdom and not those of our own design. Make us, like him, loving of the last, the least, the lost, the little, and the dead. Make us, like him, silent when the world tempts us to respond in the world's terms. Make us, like him, ready to suffer, We know we cannot be like Jesus, except as Jesus was unlike us being your son. Make us cherish that unlikeness, Lord, that we may grow into the likeness made possible by your son, Jesus' resurrection. And all God's people say, Amen. God has gathered us all together. God has proclaimed God's word to us. And now we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, thinking of many ways in which we can give ourselves for others in our community and others across the world. But we also respond with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. I urge you to uh, give with glad and generous hearts to the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You can give online. The link for doing so is in the video description you may give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or you may give if you live locally by bringing your offering here. We have a drop slot by our main office doors. Uh, but give, give for the ministries of this church, that we might continue to be a place that speaks the truth in a gentle and Christ-like way, which means at times a confrontational way so that the world looks more like the kingdom and less like the world. So give, give with glad and generous hearts. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said to us is by affirming our faith using something like the Apostles' Creed. So I encourage you to please now join me as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, As I noted last week at the end of our worship service, I've been thinking about five different ways all of us can help the church. And I want to share those with you again this week. Here are five different ways that we can all continue to respond to what God has said and what God is doing in our own lives, but also for the life of the church. The first is support the church with your financial gifts. As I mentioned before, you can give online, through the mail, or if you live locally, you can bring it. Uh, those gifts help to keep the church running, but also so that we can be active in our local community and across the world, helping God's grace uh, become manifest for others who haven't experienced it. The second is to share information about the church with others. Uh, that's easier now than it's ever been before because all you have to do is press the share button uh, on your computers or your phones or your tablets. Uh, take the link for the video and, and email it to someone who you know would do well to listen to it, or it might be uplifting or uh grace filled For them share information about the church that the good news of jesus christ might be abundantly present all across the world the third is contact someone from the church we are now more isolated than we've ever been even though we have the technologies to be in touch with each other Uh, Reach out to someone either that you know or someone you haven't seen in a while or talked to in a while. If you can't get in touch or don't know how to get in touch with anyone from the church or the community, get in touch with me and I will set you up with somebody just so that we can continue to have the bonds of Christian friendship with one another. The fourth is share your ideas with the pastor with me. I love getting ideas from people about uh, sermon topics or different kinds of prayers, Bible studies, activities that we could be doing in the community. Share those ideas with me so I'm not just living in my own bubble. And the fifth is pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray until you can't pray anymore. Pray until love is abundantly present across the world. Pray until God is satisfied and the devil is terrified. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the world. Pray for pastors. Pray for lay people. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Let your joys and your supplications, as Paul says, be known to the Lord, for the Lord is near you. So with that, I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, the God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see what real gentleness looks like, because it means the transformation of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, One God, now and forever. Amen. I look forward to seeing you all again next week, same time, same place. Go in peace. Be well. Amen, amen, and amen.
1: are our-